You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I've been on the crusade to to get Cavis Reed fired, and I, I accomplished that goal, so I mean, anything is possible. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Curra. Brazilian Ty is here with me. Happy Thanksgiving, wherever you he- you are headed for the weekend. Although there is no CFL football on Thanksgiving Monday. Brazilian Ty, you're a fan of this. Tell me why. Uh, because we don't do Thanksgiving on Monday because uh, it makes zero sense to have a huge meal and feel like crap for the day after going back to work. And I usually have to travel. So Monday is my travel day. So we do uh, Thanksgiving supper on Sunday. So the game on Monday, I always miss. I hear nothing but selfish reasons here. Yeah, because I do not care about other people. See? At least you can that's admit I, that. That's why I don't have kids, because I don't want to ruin my life. <laughs> The, the CFL has had football. <laughs> this is so bad. Mm-hmm. I think this is the worst uh, part of the schedule, to be honest. They've had football on Thanksgiving Monday every year since the league was founded in 1958. The league's a part of our Canadian identity. I think uh, there's always going to be... I don't buy be, into the tradition. There's always going to be games on Labor Day. Uh, there's There should always be games on Thanksgiving. I'd love it if there were always games on Canada Day, but that one moves around. Uh, it's not always a Monday or always a, a long weekend. It could happen on a Wednesday, so I kind of get that one. But, I mean, the Ottawa Senators have a home game on Monday. Nothing else is on, well, playoff baseball. The CFL can own Thanksgiving Monday, and this year I guess they're just not. I, it's a, so, such a puzzling thing to me that uh, there's no Thanksgiving games this week. So uh, let's get on with this podcast. What do you say? We just talk over each other for half an hour like the federal uh, leaders debate on Monday night? Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Like, do we call up John? Do we call up John and he can be like the separatist? Because that makes a lot of sense to have a separatist party in your national debate. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. Is that two John references in two weeks? Man, I think these need to stop. Let's start with the Atlantic Schooners where we really need to talk about one of their city councilors. His name is Sam Austin. He's kind of on a crusade to shut down the stadium (laughs) Uh, in in Halifax. That's basically what it boils down to. There was going to be a vote on Tuesday at the city council meeting in Halifax. Um, I guess one of them was uh, unable to make it. So this has been deferred for two weeks. October 22nd 
is a big city council meeting in Halifax where one of the councillors is trying to just shut down this whole pr- proposal and bring the schooners to the ground and pretty much dead in the water or at least back at square one. This is kind of what I feared with this thing. There's a lot of moving parts to getting a pro sports franchise going. And when the politics gets involved, oh, it just sucks. It's not fun to talk about. You can't predict it. But it kind of looks like this guy doesn't really have all that much support. But it's still worth talking about and worth, I think, worrying about a little bit. Well, I think any time that something's going to come up about the Atlantic franchise that's going to be negative or that, you know, there's going to be rumblings of it being shut down or something like that. I think it is, it is something to be concerned about because those wouldn't be out there if it wasn't an issue, if it wasn't an issue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and like you said, it's one guy kind of on a crusade, uh, which I mean, I've been on the crusade to, to get, (laughs) Cavis Reed fired, and I I accomplished that goal. So I mean, anything is possible. <laughs> Corey Chamberlain, you're next. <laughs> wow, let's uh, start there. Pretty much for Week 18, where it's the first game of the 2020 preseason. Let's start with mm-hmm. Ottawa, where Dom Davis ended up getting injured against Edmonton last week. So Will Arndt gets the start at quarterback for the Red Blacks. This guy actually won an Alberta Football League title with Fort McMurray back in 2016. He's been with Ottawa since 2017, so now's his time to show what he's got. And this is probably his last shot, I would say. Um, If he doesn't really show anything by the end of the season, he's going to be in a battle next year at training camp. So now's his time to shine here (laughs) for the Red Blacks. Man, and I had I had a couple buddies on that team, and nothing but good things to say about Will Arndt. Uh, you know, and he's won before. Like I know it's not the CFL, but he knows. Like he's won a league title. Doesn't matter where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's he's done it. He knows that it, it's a little different to win a senior football championship than it is to win a professional league. But it still takes a lot of work and sacrifice, and he knows what it takes. Uh, even just to win a game in the CFL, I mean, Ottawa has struggled. Same with Toronto. Uh, and like you said, first game of the 2020 preseason, uh, they got to start looking at what they're going to do for next year and, and hopefully get some decisions made now uh, before it becomes a pressing issue in the spring. Doesn't that show how committed he is to the Canadian mm-hmm. game? I, I, I think that's really cool that he he's a guy from Connecticut. He's still only 26 years old. Um, goes to Fort McMurray to keep his football career going and now gets a start with the Ottawa Red Blacks to hopefully show what he's got. It's 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 an unlikely story. It, it's a wild story, and I really hope that he does succeed here. Um, they're hoping that John Crockett will able to go in the next week or so. It looks like Greg Morris and Brendan Gillanders are going to be sharing carries in this one, and I know it sounds crazy. Maybe this is an opportunity to get Will Arndt and Greg Morris or something like that in your lineup. You're going to save a lot of cash, Uh but they're against Toronto, who are the worst passing and worst rush defense in the league. Ottawa's offense has been sputtering. 
I think that's probably a nice way to put it. Uh, ever since, I would say, that 44-point output against Saskatchewan in Week 2. So maybe there is an opportunity for for this offense to show some sort of spark. It's going to be one of two things is going to happen here. I, I think Ottawa is either going to run roughshod over them and, you know, they're going to be able to put up the offensive numbers. Like you said, Toronto is the worst defense in the Canadian Football League right now. Or we're going to see what we've seen since week three, and it's going to be a 9-6, just boring, brutal defense. It's not even a defensive battle. It's just inept on the offensive side of the ball, and I hope we don't get that, but... I just I haven't seen anything from either team that's going to suggest that that's not what we're going to get in the last couple of weeks. I know the trade deadline was Wednesday. Here's what went down. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers ended up sending a third-round pick to Toronto in return for Zach Kalaros and their fifth-round pick. If the Bombers do sign Zach Kalaros to uh, a contract for 2020, they have to send Toronto an extra first round pick so i mean a small price to play for a veteran quarterback that it basically just provides some insurance here heading into the playoffs we need to remember though chris chris Strebler is their number one right now it's going to take some time for zach caleros to get up to speed in paul lapalisa's system right but no matter what trade that was going to be made i think the biggest news of the week was going to be pinball clemens being named general manager of the Toronto Argonauts, as John Murphy is now the VP of player personnel. This whole thing is crazy. I don't know how to unwrap it. Dan Ralph ended up releasing a piece. I don't know if it was late Sunday or late Monday in there, basically saying that Jim Pop is done and it's going to be Eric Tillman coming in as the general manager, Pinball Clemens as the president and head coach, something like Kahari Jones or Mike O'Shea. Uh, but they kind of go off the board here with Pinball Clemens being named the general manager. What was your first reaction to that? Because he hasn't been really involved with football ops since 2007. That is the one thing I don't like about it. Um, but I think having a VP of player personnel in there makes his job a lot easier uh, where I, I, I'm going to liken it to Brian Burke. I know we go to hockey a lot, but I mean, I watch a lot of it too and listen to a lot of the radio. Brian Burke, when he was the assistant general manager in Vancouver for Pat Quinn, did all of the legwork. And all Pat Quinn did was sign the papers for 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 contract negotiations and stuff like that. So I, I could see that kind of being the structure they have where the, where the guy that's in charge of player personnel is going to be the guy doing all that. And then you have... Clemens to sign off on stuff like that. Uh, you know, being out of the game for that long, uh, you know, the game is, I, I don't know how much it's necessarily changed, but I mean, the being a GM in, in any professional franchise takes, it's a lot of work. And, you know, for him to just step in, the, the knowledge of the players and the player pool isn't going to quite be there like it would be for, uh, you know, a guy like Brock Sutherland or John Huffnagel. Uh, I mean, but that's what your scouting department's for. But I mean, there's going to be growing pains. And I think step number one is going to be figuring out your coach and your quarterback situation. And other than that, uh, you know, you got to build around that. And those are, those are going to be, I think 
uh, on the list number one and one A. It's a really interesting move because I don't know if Pinball is a personnel guy. What, what I see mm-hmm. him as is a big picture guy and a vision guy. He is there. Well, I, w- I would have thought he would have been president. Well, that sounds like a position definitely more suited for him. Here's what I mm-hmm. think it is and kind of what I think it was for the whole uh, Donald Delahaye stuff. I think it's a bit of a PR move. Um. If, if the Argos name John Murphy as their general manager, do all of those media outlets in Toronto show up to that press conference? I don't think they do. I'm, I'm still surprised any showed up other than TSN. It's because it's Pinball Clemens. Well, yeah, that's it. He is universally loved not only in Toronto, but across this country. So I, I don't know anybody who says a bad word about exactly. Pinball. So I think, it and brings, if you do, I probably don't talk to you anymore. <laughs> I think it brings attention to the team. Uh, of, mm-hmm. He's going to work with John Murphy, but Pinball said in the press conference, "I turned them down twice," and then yeah. he said on Saturday after they got smashed by BC, he made the call saying, "This is bigger than me." I am mm-hmm. in, and he does seem like a guy that's very open to listening to others around him. He's going to surround himself with people that have experience being a general manager, or at least being close to being yes. a general manager, With which Pinball uh, does not have. John Murphy has seen success in Calgary, and he's a part of that roster right now in Saskatchewan as well, so he's... He's been brought up uh, learning from some of the best. John Huffnagel is one of them that gave uh, Murphy a glowing reference to Bill Manning and mm-hmm. MLSE. So I, I just think Pinball's sort of a figurehead, and I'm not, I, I'm not insulting him or any. I love Pinball as well, uh, but I think it's at a time right now where they want some season ticket renewals and Pinball's mm-hmm. going to be involved with the organization, I, I, I think Argo fans are going to say, okay, we have a visionary here. We have a leader leading us into the future. And I think that bottom line is what it is. But the question now is what happens with Corey Chamberlain. He's got two years left on his deal after this season. We don't really know how teams are going to handle the coaches at Mincap going forward, but names have been thrown around already include Kahari Jones and Mike O'Shea. Kahari Jones sounds absolutely crazy, but they don't have an owner. They don't have a long-term contract for their quarterback. If that sale doesn't get figured out, Kahari might not have a contract and would just go to a place that gives him a job. Mike O'Shea doesn't have a contract after this season. He played with Pinball Clemens. Who do you think is going to be the coach of the Argos in 2020? Mike O'Shea. That's what I think, too. And some Bomber fans think it's a horrible take, and I'm an idiot for thinking that. But no, because they're not going to win a great cup this year. That group has run its course. It's time to move on and, and figure out what ne- how to get over that hump because Mike O'Shea hasn't done it yet, and, he, and it doesn't look like he's going to do it. And he is absolutely crazy if he thinks that Strevler is good enough to win him a great cup. Well, he's a very loyal guy. I think uh, that's what some Bomber fans have said about him. He's loyal almost loyalty to a fault. Has, loyalty has zero, zero place in professional sports. He's a player's guy. I know the players love him. I understand that. But um, 
I think he would make a good culture in Toronto, as uh-huh. would Pinball Clemens. It's like all of a sudden that culture just takes a 180-degree turn and then there are positive thoughts in the locker room there all of a sudden. So it's a fascinating move. It's going to be interesting to see how things get handled in the coming months in Toronto. But I think they now have some attention. And with pinball being at the forefront, oh, the media loves their uh, their pinball Clement. So I think it's a great business mm-hmm. move for the Argos too. Well, and let's not forget, like, my, it's not like pinball comes in as just a former player who's just taking a job. He was an assistant coach while he was still playing in his final year. Yeah. He yeah. was the head coach when they won a great cup, I believe. Yeah. With one uh, of, 2004, oh, I think. Yeah. 2004. With one of the greatest pregame speeches I've oh, ever yeah. heard, other than Cavis, Cavis Reed talking about his uncle <laughs> on the pickup basketball court. Uh, and. Like so, he knows what it what it takes to win, and if he sees that his coaching staff isn't doing that, which I don't believe they are, and then he'll make changes. I mean, the cap is going to obviously give him some problems, uh, not not the player cap, but the coaching and administrative cap. But I don't think he's going to be afraid to make changes because, like you said, he he said this is bigger than him, and you know he. It was the only team he played for. I'm pretty sure that he doesn't like watching them sputter to a three and fifteen record. He wants to he wants to fix this, and if it starts with the coach, it starts with the coach. And I don't think he's going to be afraid to make changes if he has to. I can't really see you having any Argos on your team in this one, unless I don't know. <laughs> yes or no? Any Argos on your fantasy lineup this week? Uh, James Franklin is under five thousand dollars. And the, the minimum is 5000 <laughs> For quarterbacks, yeah, usually it's 5000 Him and, I believe, Dominic Davis, even though I guess Dominic – or no, sorry, John Jennings is under 5000 as well. Wow. So, like, every backup quarterback is at $5,000 except for those two. So it shows you just how bad things are. Yeah, if the Argos didn't put pinball as GM, we wouldn't really have too much to say about this Friday night game. But the second half of the doubleheader, again, the starts overlap a little bit, is a first-placed mm-hmm. showdown between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Calgary Stampeders. And the Stampeders, with Nick Arbuckle in tow, stomped the Riders back in July at Mosaic Stadium, 37-10. to I ask you this about the Riders, Ty. Can you name the last time the Riders gave up 100 yards to a single running back in a game? Okay, I feel like this is a trick question. Was it that? Was it the last game they played? It was the West semifinal. <laughs> oh, to Andrew Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I meant like last game they played against Calgary this year. That's why I thought it was a trick question. No, it was the West semifinal almost Jesus. a year ago. <laughs> They've been incredible against the run. This one might hurt them, though. They may be without Cameron Judge this week. He kind of got knocked a bit silly last week against mm-hmm. Winnipeg. He's in concussion. That protocol. should really make Twitter fun. Oh, <laughs> too far. <laughs> Oh, he's an interesting cat. I I will say that. (laughs) It looked like he didn't practice on Wednesday either. So Micah Tights is going to be playing at wide side linebacker. And maybe, maybe some reps 
for Don't Sam Hurl. Yeah, I'm not even watching this game. I'm not even going to watch this game. <laughs> oh, you remember when we saw that guy in Edmonton with a Sam Hurl jersey? That that guy's on my fight list. <laughs> I don't even know who he is, but he's on my fight list. And by my fight list, I mean guys that your brother's going to have to fight at Grey Cup. <laughs> yeah, and you'll be talking. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be just like Labor Day. I am the Matthew Barnaby. <laughs> yeah, all he's talk. my Rob Ray. <laughs> yeah, the Riders have had trouble containing the boundary wide receiver lately. Darvin Adams had mm-hmm. 109 yards last week. We that that's with Chris Strebler throwing the ball. Uh, Toronto was a couple so weeks ago. Darvin Adams had all of the receiving yards. Basically, um, Toronto a couple of weeks ago they don't count, but Eugene Lewis uh, for Montreal had 130 yards. A few weeks mm-hmm. ago, Josh Huff lined up in that position last week, had a huge game for the Stampeders. Could he be in line for another big game? I'm I'm on the side that no matter what the over-under is, I'm probably taking the under here. But he's still right around $3,500. He's become mm-hmm. more of a reliable target for Bo Mitchell over the last six weeks or so. As long as And he's healthy, so we know he's going to be in there. There's that. As long as he doesn't fumble the ball. But, I mean, Bagleton and Rogers did last week as well, so you can't hold that against him. He might be one of those unsung fantasy heroes for the month of October. Oh, I, I think I, I think so. His his average now, uh, not just against the Riders. I mean, this is very small sample size in the one game. But his career average, so his season average is eleven point two points per game. I know it's not the biggest sample size, but I mean this this guy is showing flashes of what he what he's able to do. And, and you know, it's one game with ball security issues. If those don't wear up again, he could be in line for a huge game. Now. Um... The Stampeders' defense has not given up a 100-yard receiver. The Stampeder defense hasn't let a receiver on a Western opponent put up 100 yards since Ricky Collins did it in Week 8. They get fired up against their Western opponents. They've had struggles. Uh, Devere Posey had a big game against the Stampeders. Uh, Braylon Addison, Brandon Banks put up yards against the Stampeders. But when they play those teams in the West, Dave Dickinson Mm -hmm. just has them prepared on lockdown mode and i i don't know if we're gonna see another 190 yard game from shaq evans i i don't think so not with that secondary i think that's a that's a tall ask uh you know and to say how they, how much they get fired up against the west it, well i would think that they know how important those games are inside your own division and maybe that gives a little insight as to why they always lay an egg in montreal yeah, uh, I know travel and everything, but it's not a division game. It's kind of hard to get amped up for when it's not really doing much for you in the standings. Like, yeah, two points, but you know it doesn't help you with tiebreakers and all that stuff. So, unless like you're tied in every conceivable way to where we have to go to tiebreakers against the East, but I just yeah, for everything that Shaq Shaq Evans has done uh, recently, I just don't see him being. I see him being a huge part of the offense. Like I, he's still going to be your number one op, your number one option usually, but I just don't see him doing what he did last week. Obviously, that slant play is uh, nearly undefendable. I don't know if he's going to mm-hmm. get the yak against Calgary. They're they're 
they're better tacklers. They're better sound. They're just a better team all around that has everything figured out. They they do the little things right, and all the little things added up just make them what they mm-hmm. are here. Uh, Shaq Evans actually had one target against the Stampeders when they played in July, and I think he left that game due to injury. So didn't really do anything against the Stampeders earlier. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt was the leading receiver in that game with five catches for 66 yards. And Reggie Bagleton on the other side at 102 yards, four catches, and that included a 76-yard touchdown. Now, the Riders have been criticized by fans of other teams saying that they really haven't beaten any difficult teams so far this season. I know it's crazy to say about a 10-win team, but the Bombers, uh, they've played them three times, all with Chris Streveler. They beat him two out of three. They haven't played Edmonton yet. Uh, they beat BC early in the season. Everyone And, and beat they're going to play Edmonton with Logan Kilgore at quarterback. Yeah, and the Calgary that they played earlier in the year was with Nick Arbuckle, and they hammered the Riders. Uh, (laughs) So this is time for Cody Fajardo to show if he actually is the real deal because the Stampeders are locked and loaded. Rodgers, Bagleton, Huff, Bo Mitchell, Don Jackson – they're ready to go. They're, they're ready to play. So this is playoff football right now for Cody Fajardo and the Riders. And you didn't even mention who he's going to have to go up against in the secondary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Trey Roberson. Yes, like this is put up or shut up. Uh, you know, a win goes a long way to securing, uh, not, not forget a home playoff spot. If they can win this game. They're looking at a first pl- at a first round bye and, and hosting the West Final. There's never been a West fi- Final at the new uh, Mosaic okay, Stadium. It's three years old. Like, just cool it. Uh, the West Semi was there last year. It was really cold. I just hope it's just as cold this year, so people are crying all over again. Deja to move vu. the season up. <laughs> Yeah, move the season up. Although the ratings lately have shown, please, we need more games uh, after Labor Day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Trey Roberson picked off Cody Fajardo twice in July. So we'll see if he still has his number (laughs) this Friday night at McMahon Stadium. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your energy from. Park Power has low overhead, and chances are you'll save money if you switch. You can find out how much money you would you would save by visiting parkpower.ca and plug in your numbers into the Alberta Energy Savings Calculator. If you do decide to switch, it's really easy. I did it myself. I just called up and made the switch, and it was automatic. Nothing changes about your service. You don't just have to cross your fingers and hope you get power when you turn the light switch on. Only the price you pay changes. Learn more at parkpower.ca. 
This game, I was really excited about the minute that the last time these two teams played and the final whistle went because that was the one when Montreal edged Winnipeg 38-37 after trailing 34-10 at halftime. I was at my nephew's first birthday party. The game was on. We're watching. I watched up until halftime. I took off, got to Edmonton. Checked my phone and saw that the Alouettes had won this game. Wow. I know that the Bombers sort of had the rematch circled on their calendars, but things have changed a little bit since then. The Bombers haven't gotten right back on the right track since halftime of that game, which we sort of mentioned on Monday Monday show. Yeah, it's been a just a, a, a tailspin for the Bombers. And I mean, if the refs would have done their job, I don't think Montreal comes back in that game. And we're talking about a completely, I don't know if we're, actually, I don't know if we're talking about a different Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. I, from what I saw, I don't know if, if, if they would have won the games in the following weeks anyways. Uh, but the narrative is there where like, it was just a huge, Huge letdown, and it's carried over. Uh, but I think another part of this rematch is going to be Adam Big Hill. Uh, I, I don't want I don't want to speak for him, but I mean, maybe looking for a little bit of revenge against Vernon Adams after swinging the helmet. Uh, and if that comes into play, and uh, Winnipeg gets a little too over emotional on defense, trying to get to him and trying to prove and trying to prove a point or, or make make amends for that. I mean, they could get themselves in a lot of trouble. Well, let's talk about Montreal, where they're starting left tackle. And I know you got words to say about him, but Tony Washington has started all season for them. He broke his leg Mm -hmm. against Calgary last week. So practicing in his place was Kennedy Estelle, who actually hasn't played in a game since 2016 with Saskatchewan. Good luck handling Willie Jefferson. I feel like he's been quiet the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. If there was a game for Willie to come Mm -hmm. back and take things over, this one might just be the game. Yeah, you're going up against a guy who hasn't played uh, in two years. Uh, Estelle better be ready because he's going to get all he can handle uh, coming off the edge with Willie. It's a good thing that Vernon Adams is mobile. Because uh, mm-hmm. he's, I think, going to be tested <laughs> in this one. And I guess we really didn't talk about it, but Kahari Jones, I guess we did, is uh, mentioned as an option uh, to Toronto as possibly being head coach, that they don't have an owner. And the, the word is, is that Vernon Adams might actually be a free agent right away as well. I really hope that the Owls aren't back to square one after this season just because they couldn't figure out the sale of the franchise. Yeah, I want to I want to know what the, what's taking so long with that. Yeah, there's a lot because, of backdoor stuff going on, I think. Yeah. Because like you said, there is a risk that they lose both of these guys. And then Montreal is once again the laughing stock. Like, how do you have a year like this? And I get it; they don't have a GM. The ownership is in flux, and, and it's basically being run by like this is. There, you cannot pass up this opportunity. Be, because you can't just let 
a franchise in your league flounder like this with, with no leadership? And then if you lose Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams, what do you have? I know. They're, they're back to where they were. Then you like then all of a sudden Mike Sherman's getting a job again, or do you Corey Chamberlain gets fired and you bring in Corey Chamberlain and then there's two years wasted. I actually heard some people saying that uh could Jim Pop end up back in Montreal or back in Ottawa. Now if he if he gets back in Montreal and extends Vernon Adams, then he's got a a quarterback gift wrap to him mm-hmm. uh, because he hasn't been able to do anything without uh, a Ricky Ray or an Anthony Calvillo. Right, one hundred percent. But if he gets, if he somehow gets put back in place in Montreal, he needs he needs to get Kahari Jones signed too because this team is playing for Kahari Jones. They'd run <laughs> yeah. through a wall for this guy right now. Yeah, and that that is a huge that's a huge thing for a head coach to have that room, uh, and it just seems like. What are they like? How do you not think that Kahari Jones is a good a good extension right now? Yeah, I don't know if they can sign him because they're technically owned by the league, and <laughs> I, I I don't know if there's any shady lines in there that the, the league can't hire and fire a coach. It's such a weird well, spot. Well, then hire to be in. a GM. <laughs> I, I think it's Joe Mack right now. <laughs> Bomber fans oh. are having flashbacks. <laughs> oh, my God. Bomber fans. <laughs> oh, it's... it's. <laughs> if, if Joe if Joe Mack gets this job, Montreal might be in bigger trouble than we think. This is going to be another crazy offseason, isn't it? I don't know. Without the CBA drama, but I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Well, there's usually a lot of movement anyway, just with the sh- the, the shortness of contracts. I, yeah. But I mean, we had the QB carousel last year, and everybody saw how it how big of a miss it was early for BC. I mean, they've turned it around now, but I think that's going to scare a lot of people or a lot of GMs, where to make that big flash in the pan move. And I mean, there there are still teams that are going to do it. They're going to do it. They, they're going to have to. Toronto, they got to figure something out. Ottawa's got to figure out their quarterback situation. But I think that it's not going to be as, I don't know how you would put it. I, I just don't think the money is going to be thrown around like it was. I still think there's going to be a lot of movement, but the money is going to be way different. Let's talk about Winnipeg now, who of course did just trade for Zach Caleros. Pinball Clemens was actually on the sports cage in Regina, and he said that he hopes to re-sign Zach Caleros in the offseason, that this trade is a chance to see him play. Is that tampering? I don't know. This whole thing is complete, complete uh, madness. Uh, we did also find out the reason why Richie Hall hasn't been around the team lately. He has lost his brother. Um, linebacker and defensive line coach Glenn Young revealed that news. And, yes, some things are much bigger than the game of football. So all the best to Richie Hall and his family. As for on-the-field stuff, on Tuesday, Brandon Alexander, Adam Bighill, Darvin Adams, Jamarcus Hardrick, Craig Rowe all didn't practice. They're called vet days. Uh, Darvin Adams didn't practice Wednesday either. Again, could be a vet day mm-hmm. or just one of those Mike O'Shea specials. Yeah, that's what I read on Twitter, that, that they looked like just maintenance days 
for those guys. You know, we're getting, it's week 18. Uh, everybody's getting a little beat up now. Uh, as for Mike O'Shea, I get not wanting to reveal who's pl- calling plays because, I mean, there's only a finite amount of defensive coordinators and guys that call defenses in this league. Uh, so everybody kind of tends to get to know their tendencies, right? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, was kind of kind of redundant. But um, at the same time, it's just another one of those things that Mike O'Shea does that pisses me off. <laughs> oh, he's uh, he's one of the most – football is a paranoid sport, but sometimes I feel like it's a whole new level in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just – I don't get why we we can't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, like there's, we know for there, every other six, team. I, there's six people that it could be. Like, just tell us who it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, when the final whistle, you know, blew on the Montreal-Winnipeg game, I was a lot – I had this circled on my calendar. But I don't know if I'm as excited about it anymore because at that time, Chris Strebler was – Looking like a destroyer. A god. Yes. He ran all over the Riders in the Banjo Bowl. Ran all over the Owls in the first half of that game. And then mm-hmm. nothing has happened since. Uh, they got smashed by Hamilton. Uh, they end up losing a grinder to the Riders. Now I I don't know what to expect from Chris Strebler in this one anymore. I, I don't expect much. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know how we can at this point. I think the most intriguing game of the weekend is probably the next one here, other than Saskatchewan, Calgary anyway. BC is in Edmonton. Where this is a game seven. It, this fe- is, it feels like things have just changed 180 degrees because when these two teams played early in the season, Edmonton stomped them by a combined score of 72-29 in two games. Let's start with the Lions here. They're on an absolute roll right now. I got to think that Brian Burnham has a real shot at being the CFL's MOP right now. He'd be the first receiver uh-huh. since G. Roy Simon to do it in 2006. Chad Owens did it in 2012, but a lot of that was uh, special teams as well. As for fantasy and Brian Burnham, he's averaged just over 27 fantasy points a game over the past five. He's one of the hottest players, maybe the hottest player in the league right now. Exactly 1,300 yards a receiving nine touchdowns. He is on fire, but this is kind of what we expected. Mike Riley does uh-huh. this. He uh, seems to always have the leading receiver in the league at his fingertips. Yeah, and, and I mean, a lot of that has to do with Mike Riley. Like you said, he is so good at finding guys. Uh, and, you know, especially when they can catch the football, he, he tends to trust them a hell of a lot more than guys. I mean, I know Bowman had the case of the dropsies early, uh, but once he got it figured out, him and Zilstra became your number one targets, basically. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter who it was week in or week out. One of them was going to be targeted. Brian Burnham, I mean, just it seems week in and week out produces, and it's not, it's, it's not a surprise anymore. But I think what's surprising is that nobody's able to do anything about it. Yeah. Well, we've always known that Burnham 
makes the toughest catch. He's always made the mm-hmm. circus catch right, but he hasn't had reliable quarterback play all that much. And with the offensive line play earlier in the season, Riley wasn't really able to shine. And over the past few weeks, he's been able to show what he can do despite how banged up he really is at this point in the year. And now he's got a quarterback to get him the ball. He makes the circus catch and the other everyday catches that just add up to a career year for him. And, I mean, at this at this rate, like you said, he could be the first one since since Uri Simon. Uh, and I know you mentioned Chad Owens. Remember when I didn't mention Chad Owens and he got all pissy? <laughs> you became Instagram famous because of that. Yep. And, and turns out I was right. And, yeah, he got cut. <laughs> yeah. Big surprise. John White has averaged 17.8 fantasy points a game since returning from injury three weeks ago. But Edmonton against the run, they're tough to stop. They gave up 88 yards to Tyrell Sutton last week. But Hamilton, maybe top one or two offensive lines in the league. Mm -hmm. They only gave up 25 to Moses Madu the week before and 81 combined to Brandon Banks, Braylon Addison, David Watford, Dane Evans, Jackson Bennett, and Anthony Coombs a few weeks back. So it's not easy to run on Edmonton. I don't know if I really want to rely on John White here, but considering the running back play over the past few weeks, it's not as big of a year for running backs right now. I think the highest score from one was, what, 14 points last week? Yeah, it's like Jack Chapdelaine is the OC for every team in the league right now. <laughs> He's the universal OC for the CFL. <laughs> it's just the worst. <laughs> but you'd think there's some snow floating around the prairies this week, it, it sadly looks like it's going to miss the games. It's going to warm up for the games, which I'm kind of sad about. But you got to think that the running games is going to become a bigger factor as as the weeks roll on here oh, and the mercury yeah. drops. As the weather gets colder, you got to start. I mean, it gets harder to grip the ball. It gets harder to throw the ball. It sucks catching the ball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's no fun getting hit as a running back. But you know, it's it's just. When it gets cold, you can wear out a defense if you can if you can pound the rock and 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 get positive yardage and and leave your team in those second and shorts where you're not having to to take huge shots down the field. BC is giving up 112.6 yards a game on the ground so far this season. Let's go to Edmonton now, where I think we got to give a quick shout out to Duke Williams. Made his NFL mm-hmm. debut over the weekend, scored the winning touchdown for the Buffalo Bills. We're not surprised. The Bills are a wagon right now, <laughs> unless they play the Pats. And they ended up trading Zay Jones after this. So it looks like I hope Duke Williams gets the start here. I Going forward, I'm not surprised. The guy was dominant here at times, and I mm-hmm. think he can be dominant there as well. That was really cool to see uh, Duke Williams, one of our guys, scoring a touchdown. Well, and you, you think the rules in the CFL are set up for the offense when it comes to the receivers. Uh, in the NFL, I, I'm surprised there's not pass interference on every play. I know. <laughs> um, we've talked about injuries a lot, but the Eskimos, 
they're in rough shape right now. Trevor Harris, C.J. Gable, Tavon Smith, Calvin McCarty, Kwaku Boatang, Josh Johnson, Greg Ellingson, and Logan Kilgore did not practice on Tuesday. Jason Moss said Kilgore and Ellingson were precautionary. I would, I would hope so because if Kilgore doesn't play, that means Briscoe's coming in. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you can take B.C. to, to cover and on the money line and basically every which way you possibly could bet on them. But that, to me, tells me that the other guys are in danger of missing this week. Mm-hmm. Kilgore, McCarty, Boateng, Johnson all returned to practice Wednesday, but Ellingson, Tavon Smith, and C.J. Gable remain out. And some sources in Edmonton are saying not only could C.J. Gable miss this week with a knee injury, but maybe even the rest of the year. And if Shaq Cooper comes in this week... That is going to have to be in probably every single fantasy lineup. I think that's what would happen. Uh, <laughs> but everybody's lineup will be set by the time that depth chart comes out because who's ever running the fantasy game is doing just a just an awesome job as usual. I know that. I don't know why he was already in a game. Why why they can't just let him on? I mean, if people can't do the research, I don't research, know why they. I don't know why they got to take guys off. Exactly. If people can't do the research that he's not starting, then that's their problem, right? One hundred percent. Shaq Cooper had twenty two carries for one hundred and twenty eight yards and a touchdown against Toronto in Week Seven. He also caught five balls for forty eight yards. So it was a massive performance. Mm-hmm. I, I I would like to, but have then the it was shot. it was against Toronto. I know there's that. <laughs> I mean, if if your season's going down the toilet, play Toronto or Ottawa, and then everything will turn around. That's what's happened to the Lions. They played that home and home with Ottawa, and now they're mm-hmm. just uh, one of the hottest teams in the league. <laughs> Well, I mean, Edmonton is really the cure for what ails you right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the deal. Edmonton wins. <laughs> they clinch a playoff spot. BC wins. They live to fight another day. So Edmonton, they have to want to get this over with sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, they, they want to. I don't know if they've got the horses to do it. It doesn't seem like it. I it, Not right now. It, this looks like a really tough game. For the Edmonton Eskimos to win here. Yeah. Uh, you know, if C.J. Gable and Devon Smith aren't going to play, and, I mean, let's say Ellison, Ellingson isn't precautionary and actually is hurt, you have Logan Kilgore. And I know you still have DeVaris Daniels and uh, Ricky Collins Jr., but, I mean, it's a big blow to lose to lose those guys. Yeah, it absolutely is. We'll be back after this to talk about our fantasy lineups and pick them. Alberta loves its forests and its shows. In the last 20 years alone, Alberta's forest industry planted and nurtured 2 billion trees. Strategic harvesting is helping slow the spread of the mountain pine beetle. Take that, you scourge of infestation. Oh, and Alberta's forest industry creates enough green energy to power four cities the size of Grand Prairie. If that doesn't power your heart in the process, chances are you need to learn more about your relationship with Alberta's forests. Go to loveabforests.com. The Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge is coming to a close right away here, but this week I've got Safamod from uh, Piffles Podcast, and you have Sheldon from Horseman Radio. What is your lineup looking like right now? Uh, so, because I'm the forever optimist, I took Will Arndt uh, <laughs> because he's only $5,000. Uh, Moses Madu, I mean, they're playing Toronto. I mean, it, it, It's almost too easy, right? 
John White, Brian Burnham, Jake Winicky, and for the third week in a row, it seems, or third week out of the last four, I have Deron Carter in for now. That could change. But every time I change it, he goes off, so I'm probably going to leave it this time. <laughs> Just as we've been recording, I've seen a lot of things coming through on Twitter. So I've made some changes to my lineup. I'm going to go with Mike Riley at quarterback. I feel like we're going to get playoff Mike Riley here. He is going to be stepping up here. Greg Morris at running back for the Red Blacks. He's expected to share carries with Brendan Gillanders this week. I like Moses Madu and his volume, but I don't know if he's going to be getting the start here. Shaq Cooper for the Eskimos, I believe he's $4,807. Brian Burnham, Eric Rogers, and Josh Huff. I think I have a loaded lineup, which means they're probably not going to do anything. And I'm going without a defense. I honestly just don't like any of them this week. No, I mean, Ottawa's defense would be great if Ottawa didn't suck the hind teat right now. <laughs> I mean, if if Logan Kilgore doesn't play... Oh, they- then- I mean, how expensive is BC's defense going to be if that's the case? Well, they're still they're right now just under forty three hundred. Um, yeah, they'll go up to like five grand, <laughs> which it might be worth it to be honest. <laughs> Maybe they could get they could score thirty points. <laughs> Who are your top uh, projected performers for the week? Well, Vernon Adams Jr. This is kind of uh, skewed. Uh, Forty-three point three points per start against Winnipeg. There's only one start, wow. so <laughs> we take a look at his career average is twenty-two point six. Uh, Chris Strebler in his two games against Montreal is thirty-six point six. I wouldn't take either one of these guys for this rematch. Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Who do we? We don't know who's starting. No, uh, in not Toronto. yet. Not yet. So, I, I mean, he's 28.1 in two games against Ottawa. James Franklin in three three starts against Ottawa. I'll give you one guess as to what his average is. Or I'll give like you can I'll give you if you can get it within five points, what his average points per start is against the Ottawa Red Box. I think it's gonna be ugly. I'm gonna guess like six and a half. It's three point three, so you win. <laughs> so McLeod Bethel Thompson is twenty eight point one. Bully Levi Mitchell, thirteen games against the Riders, so the biggest sample size of the week, uh seventeen point nine. James Walder Jr., four games, 17 points per game. Moses Madu, three games, 16.3. Andrew Harris in 19 games uh, against Montreal has averaged 15.7. And then Jake Wenicke in the one game that he's played uh, against Winnipeg, 27.4. Devontae Dedman, 27.3. If he plays, I, I don't foresee it, but, I mean, he's on my list because it's just easier for me to not try to figure out injury reports. Uh, <laughs> Devere Posey, 22 points in his two games. Uh, Chris Matthews, 17.6 in his two, and SJ Green at 16.8 in 12 games against Ottawa. Who are you picking to win this week? Oh, well, everybody loses in the first game of Friday Night Football. I don't know where to go. I... <laughs> I'm going to Ottawa. I, I think Toronto's that bad that they're going to make Ottawa look like world beaters. Well, it depends how the Argos treat this thing. I feel like they know who McLeod Bethel-Thompson is, so I don't get the point of starting him. They know who James Franklin is. How are they not starting to quote a brew crop or Michael O'Connor? That's that's what should happen. And just because it's a preseason game, at least it should be treated that way. I'm going to take uh, mm-hmm. Ottawa, Ottawa as well. And because that's what should happen, there's no chance Corey Chamberlain does it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, rest of the games. Uh, uh, the Riders 
I think they're they're gonna they're, they'll pull it out. I, it's, oh, man, this week is such a crapshoot. Uh, Montreal and BC stays alive. Holy crap! I'm going Calgary, Winnipeg, BC. Ooh! I don't. So think when I go four and zero, oh, you'll be two and two. I don't think they go to McMahon Stadium and keep first place. I really hope they're first for more than five days. But <laughs> this this is this is not our father's Rough Riders, man. This this team is legit. You're a believer. I, I, I'm, I'm getting there, man. Not only is Ty talking about seeing family and going for supper on Thanksgiving, but he believes no, no, in I'm the Rough Riders. To, I'm going to Joe and Renee's for supper. Oh. I already, I already invited myself on Twitter. <laughs> oh man! Happy Thanksgiving wherever or however. If you celebrate, and we are going to make the order for two and out t-shirts next week, right? week. Yes, sir. All right. So if you want a two and out CFL podcast t-shirt, we've been getting orders on our Facebook page, the email through the website, uh, two and out.ca, uh, direct messages on Twitter. They come with the logo you see um, on Twitter uh, and a black shirt or in your team's colors. Uh, the, the logo will be in like, you know, the secondary color and then, uh, the, uh, the whole shirt itself will be in the primary color there. $20 Canadian. So if you want a shirt proceeds going to CFL fans, fight cancer, Ty, we're going to make that order when, or when are you hoping to have everything in? Uh, I want to do it like Thursday, Friday kind of thing next week. Okay. Uh, so, you know. If somebody emails us on Thursday morning, I'm not going to say, "Oh, he's too bad," because uh, let's let's say uh, let's let's I'm going to say it right now. Friday at or sorry, Thursday is cut off at like five o'clock p.m. Okay, because when I get home from work, I will I will get everything together. And uh, if you are doing, if you are going to order on Twitter or Facebook, and not through the website. Because then we would have your email. Uh, I'm putting you on a list, and I don't have my email, the to and out email hooked up to my phone. It is my personal. So when I do email you, it will be my personal email. Don't think that it's just that you're just getting spammed. So <laughs> you will be getting an email from me. If it, if you don't get it, uh, I'm probably going to send that out in sometime in the next week. Uh, just if you don't get anything from us, just check your spam folders or your junk folders, stuff like that. Uh, if it's somebody you don't know sending you stuff, uh, just, just I just want to confirm stuff with everybody, and and we'll get e transfers and all that uh, going as well. Two and out live coming up November twenty first in Calgary. The last time I looked, there were literally six tickets left, and we're not releasing more. No, this is the last batch. If you do want to go to Two and Out Live, November twenty first, Booker's Barbecue Grill and Crab Shack, Two and Out.ca. Click the link at the top. Grab your tickets. They're fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. That includes your first beer and that Grey Cup. That pretty much pays for itself. You've got uh, a donation to CFL fans fight cancer in there as well. And as a paying ticket holder you get all the happy hour specials that are pretty sweet at bookers as well on that thursday to and out.ca uh, send an email through the mailbag to get your shirt and head there to get your tickets for to and out live and and about the shirts if you if you are not coming to gray cup uh, or to the live show and you need them mailed to you it, it will we're going to charge five bucks 
to, to cover the postage fees because it is literally more expensive to mail something from Lloydminster to the Yukon like we have to than it would for me to send an international package. <laughs> so flat rate of five bucks. I like that. Five bucks. It'll cover kind of everything. And then any money that's left over, of course, we're just going to uh, put in the in the account for uh, the donation to CFL Fans Fight Cancer. Rate, review, and subscribe to To and Out on any of your favorite podcatchers. Have yourself a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you Tuesday after the long weekend. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.